0: I've still got goosebumps from the video. I don't know about you, but whew, that was something. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for uh, our history as a movement. We're grateful for uh, the people that were converted before us, that dreamed about planting campus ministries on the colleges where we were, where I was, for the people who uh, went out from those campuses and planted churches in towns and cities across the country, here in los angeles and all the various communities here in la and and uh, somehow we were reached god we were we were met by you and so grateful for that so grateful that uh you saw fit to use our generation for that father as we uh step forward into this new year we're excited to think about what you will do with us we're excited to uh take the the lessons we've learned from last year and previous years and to apply them to improve upon them god to uh really make ourselves the best we can be for you. And we're so grateful that we live in your grace, that you will guide us through as we stumble and trip our our way through it. But uh, we're just grateful, God, that that you love us and that you have such great plans and visions for our lives. Please bless our time today. Thank you that uh, we can gather to look at your word, to be charged, to be lifted up, called higher, God, to uh, serve you uh, within our families and as a body. We love you and pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, off and running on our workshop. I have one announcement, and I just have to thank uh, Dino and Sandra for setting a great example in family growth. Uh, Their son, Tyson Sebastian Thurber, was born uh, January 3rd. Uh, He's a little premature, but healthy, I'm told. Uh, Five and five point five and a half. Sorry, doctor. What was that? (laughs) Five pounds pounds. Three ounces, okay. 18 inches for those of you keeping score. Uh, We're just excited. His name is Tyson. That's the part that matters to me so I can remember his name. Um, Jane Mills is coordinating uh, meals. If you'd like to help support them by providing a meal, please see her and get on the schedule for that. Okay, great. Always great to start with a birth announcement, right? I mean, that's just fun. Um, How's everybody? Are you guys cold? Should we do something about the windows, maybe just a little, because, you know, it's going to get hotter as we go on. Wheaton, you have a comment. Callan and Audrey, uh, Callan and uh, Amanda, congratulations to them. Let's just give it up for babies. Amen. What we want to talk about uh, today is uh, with my lovely assistant here, Karina. Um, The topic is each one teach one And there's a slide up there And there's a great proverb that all of us as parents uh, Hopefully know by heart Train a child in the way he should go And when he is old he will not turn from it You know we've seen that uh, happen As kids have been raised in the church Some have kind of wandered away to explore What else there might be out there And they've wandered right back in When they see that there's not much else out there that they like And how good it is here So that's a very encouraging verse what follows are a number of things. I just want you to jot down in your notes. These are just kind of some goals, or maybe some uh, mile markers that you can kind of keep track of in your family. These are the kind of things that lead to a successful spiritual family. Just some good habits. Uh, we're not going to necessarily go through them in that order in our in our talk here, but we did want you to just uh, put those up on the board. Things we. Really believe strongly in is is families that we're hospitable, that we're getting other people into our homes, using our homes for for God, for reaching out, Uh, weekly devotionals, uh, consistent meals. I've got them right here. Why am I turning on? Consistent meals together during the week, Um, getting all the families to participate in our youth and family nights, and uh, consistent uh, marriage and parenting discipling and training. So those are just some things. If you walk away with anything, walk away with those things today. What we're going to do, Corrine and I are going to do a lesson uh, with the Kramers. Uh, Henry and Lana have been gracious enough to come up and kind of clean up whatever mess we make here in the beginning and uh, and, uh, help uh, bring our lesson to a close. Um, I've got my clock ticking. I have to apologize to the brothers. Last time I spoke, I was looking at that clock and it was actually 20 minutes slow. So my lesson went really long, I was kind of stretching it out, trying to meet the time, it was, it was a nightmare, but I've got a timer right here, so I'm, I'm going to stay on time this time. No, it's right today, it is right today, I've checked it, it is right today. Okay, let's get into the word a little bit. Uh, Joshua 24, Joshua said, and we, we probably have all heard this before, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. And each and every one of us at our baptism said, say it with me, Jesus is Lord. These are statements of our identity. Joshua said, you choose this day whom you will serve, whether it's those other gods, the new gods you picked up along the way, or the God that we know. He said, you choose. But as for me and my house, I know what I'm doing. I'm serving the Lord. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm living in him. I'm not living for the old man anymore. I have made my decision. I've been crucified with Christ. And we said, after we studied the scriptures and we took took a look at the mess we'd made with our lives and said, Jesus is Lord. I surrender. I give up. Guys, we have this identity. We've made these statements of identity. And as a family, we have to continue this identity. The three points we want to talk about today, the first one is know who you are. You know, in this age, it is very, very challenging to know who you are or to know who you should be, especially if you are an impressionable youth with a lot of electronic devices, Facebook, TV, movies, commercials, inundated with materialism, with all the escapes of sex and drugs and whatever else. And knowing who you are is very, very important. Probably the most important thing that we can do fundamentally for our families is give our children an identity. Let me just say parenthetically here for a minute, if you're not a parent at the moment... Whether your parents have moved on and you're an empty nester or perhaps you haven't had any kids yet, you're still part of the community that's raising our kids. I need you to pay attention to this because you're helping me with my kids, right? We are a village and we need to do this together. This stuff applies to all of us. We really need to be willing to help each other's kids out. I love the relationship that Nico has with the Marichis and with Henry and with other people in the fellowship. Uh, that my older kids have with uh, some of some of you and people in other places, uh, some, even around the world, how great it is that I have this village helping me raise my kids. And if you don't feel that way, please dig in here. Let's go. This is what it's all about is creating this village. Uh, our role as a parent, especially Jackie talked about single parents, there's also blended families where this identity is more challenging. And we need to help those families, and those parents need to help, Draw people in to help them, because this is a very, very important thing. Before we can really give our kids identity, we've got to know who we are, right? And I made a little vow to myself that any time I got a chance to say it, I would say, have a quiet time. Let's make sure we're knowing God. Let's make sure we're digging into the Word. Don't let a day go by that you don't just crack open the Bible, even if it's for a verse, to, say, to just let God in. Let Him teach you. And you've got to know who you are. Uh, you've made the the statement, Jesus is Lord, but for some of us, it was, you know, 30 years ago. And it's, you know, if we're not careful, that statement gets a little fuzzy, a little less conviction. And we have to say that every day. We've got to know who we are. Uh, Don't go it alone without God. You've got to step in. And you've got to have conviction about creating an identity for your own family as well. Um, it would be interesting I, I met some of my neighbors at the mailbox the other day, and uh, they said and i said oh hi i 'm andy and she goes oh you 're the ones with the dog, the new dog right <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, i 'm like i 'm like i don 't want to be known as the one with the dog you know I want to be known as like the happy family or the you know the really giving family or at least the not too loud family, but not the ones with the dog, you know so we 've got some work to do but What kind of conviction do you have about your family's identity? How do you want to be known uh, to the people that know you, to the sphere that you live in? Um, What are your spiritual convictions about who your family's going to be? You know, as you decide, mom and dad, what you're going to be, so goes your family. If you don't decide that you're going to be a kingdom family, sold out, here for the long run, then your kids are going to know there's a back door. And you've got to decide, I'm a Christian. Jesus is Lord. I have been crucified with Christ. As for me and my family, we serve the Lord. We've got to know who we are. We've got to make that decision. Uh, No matter what your role is, and and as Mike shared there on the video, we have our ups and we have our downs. Uh, Sometimes we're doing great and we're leading groups and other times we're not doing so great. We had an identity crisis in our family about seven years ago. We and I had been in the ministry for about 15 years, and we stepped out. And we had to make a decision. Are we going to stay involved? Are we going to get scared and start pursuing careers and going after these other things that, that we hadn't had time for because we were in the ministry? And we, we had an identity crisis. And we had to look at each other and go, what are we going to do here? Are we going to cut and run? Are we going to dig in, or are we going to stay here? And it's it, it's, you know... Amen. God helped us get through that time. A lot of you helped us get through that time. Um, And and we've gotten stronger because of that. And our kids watched us go through a real crisis and say, you know, what? mom and dad still believe in God. They still went to church every week. They still gave their money. They still gave their time. They still told us to do the right thing. We had some identity, and that is crucial that we maintain that. Karina is going to share a little bit more about that.
1: Amen. You know, it's funny. We have a saying in our household, you know, when the kids would come home, you know, and they'd say, well, you know, so-and-so said, you know, their parents let them do this. You know, even in the church, you know, so-and-so's parents let's, you know, whatever, you know, we'll go to R-rated movie, all this stuff. And, you know, Andy and I would always, our first thing out of our mouth would be, and your name is? Your last name is what? <laughs> it's Windy. And so you're part of the Whingy family. And in the Windy family, this is what we do. And, um, you, know, and it, it, you know, and I think that we, um, you know, it, it, it's a challenge to not be too, um, you know, always telling your kids what to do, especially as they get older. But I, I think as, as far as Andy and I, the, 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 what we presented to our kids is this, this is who the Whingy family is. This is who we are. And, um, you know, and every family goes through challenges. There's always things that come up in families. And, and you know, with single parents and blended families and um, crises that happen in our lives, the hardships, these things all test our families. I mean, when your kids go through challenges, your faith is tested. And, you're, you know, that we always but, – but really it starts with our own convictions, you know, of who who we are, and and that has to say. Conviction is something that doesn't change with the shifting. It's something that it just is, in your heart, and you have to really find out what your convictions are. Um, you know, in, in the day to day life, you know, um, just getting really practical down to, you know, how to how to translate this into the day to day life. Many opportunities will come up every single day for you to instill. A family identity and your convictions into your children. Um, communication is so important. Andy calls me the shock jock of our family because I'm not afraid to, you know, bring up sex at the dinner table or, you know,
0: just the topic. Just, just the, the topic. topic. You know, to, you know. Everybody alludes to,
1: you know. I'll use I, you know, you know, body parts. You know, these are all just, you know, and we talk about stuff. We talk about life in our family. And these, you know, these things are real life. And they are real, a real part of your children's lives. These, these issues are real to them. And I think that we've got to just be straight up front. I mean, Satan's up front with them. Yeah. Satan's out there, right in their face, and trust me, I'm going to be right in their face, and I'm going to be having the same conversations, only from a godly point of view, right. and I'm going to present these issues as positive and fun and from God and what is right, and not, you know, not not the darkened side of it. And so we talk about it at the dinner table. We do. <laughs> and they're all like, "Oh, mom, we're." for life, you know. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Anyway, talking about and and you know, a lot of things will come up. You know, they get detention, they get in trouble, they get you hear about something that happens at school. I mean, you know, in Allie's school when she was a sixth grader, there was a girl who um, had been found out she was having oral sex with oral sex with several boys in her in the bathroom at her school. In middle school and you know and and this is what was happening this is what is happening in schools, and you know so we just talked about it and and, and you, you can't run away from it you can't get away from it so we've got to deal with it we've got to be a strong influence on our on our kids um, talk talk communication is so important that's that's just what I'm going to say bring it up talk about it If, you know, stumble through it, you know, uh, when you're bringing it up, but trust me, you'll get through it. Amen. Spend special time with your kids. You know, um, focus is so important, and our lives are so busy, and most of us, you know, work, and... You know, we're trying to make ends meet, and we feel the stresses of life. They feel a lot of the stresses of life, but we have to really make special time, part of building a family identity. Some things the Wingies have done is um, we've, we've – um, oh, wait, no, that's, that's farther down. Okay. Um, solving problems together in the family. You know, bringing up the problems, talking about the issues, and, and coming up with solutions together. Having fun together, serving God together, um, walking with God together. I think it's really important that our kids see us having quiet times, and see us worshiping God, and see us working through our problems. That you know, we don't just all clean it up and put our smile on face when they walk in the room. But you know, my kids have seen me cry. You know, they've seen me struggle with my sin, and they've seen. And I haven't depended on them to fix me. You know, there's a fine line there, but. They have seen me live my life as a disciple. And they've seen me struggle and work through the issues. And, and they've, they've seen the kind of the raw truth of what it means to live life. And they need to see us live our lives that way because that's what their lives are about. And they're going to go through that. So when they call you as a college student and they say, oh, I'm having such a hard time, I can say, you know what, I know exactly how you feel. And your daughter can say, I know you do. I saw you work through this very issue, and so I know you know how I'm feeling. So it's really important. Yeah.
0: Amen. I think what we're saying is, don't just have weekly dinners, but talk, talk a lot. Thank you. Yeah, and, and the, there's plenty. It's a target-rich environment, as as the saying goes. There's so much. Just ask questions. Not how to go to school today isn't enough. You got to dig in, um, but you got to have those conversations. And if you're not in regular meal times, regular ways to communicate with your kids. Uh, You need to be, because as Karina said, Satan is doing it every day, uh, all day long. All right? Uh, Point number two, know who you are is point number one. Point number two, show who you are. Um, You know, danger Will Robinson, right? Some of you are old enough to remember what that means. Uh, Don't talk about who you are and not show who you are, right? Uh, Probably the number one reason we have so many what are euphemistically called church alumni in the country these days is because parents went to church and said do this and don't do that and didn't, and, and didn't, do, didn't do or say any of that stuff themselves. And so people leave church thinking it's pointless. Why bother? I can do this in the world. I, why spend my Sunday morning? There's football on. I can stay out later Saturday. I mean, that's the number one reason. People just have abandoned their faith in our country. We have to show who we are. Uh, you've made your decision. Uh, your kids are watching you to decide if it will be their decision. And they're watching you to decide if you're for real. Are you for real? Are you really living the way you say you are? They're not looking for perfection, and they're very, very forgiving when you make a mistake. If you admit it. But you got to admit it. you got to show who you are. you got to show that you believe in grace. you got to show that you believe in humility. You've got to show that you believe in prayer. You've got to show that you believe in the Word and that you've wrestled through to the ground a submissive spirit towards God. You've got to show that. You can't just say it. You've got to show it. Uh, they have to know that. They have to see that. Oh, this is part. Is that my part? Oh, that's my part again. Sorry. Um, let me give us, we want to give you some practicals on this point. Um, being committed to the body. I'm preaching to the choir here, almost literally, right? You're here. I don't need to tell you to come to church. But there's some of us who aren't here. We need to help them. We need to instill this conviction in them. Maybe you're here because somebody said, hey, are you coming? And you're like, yeah, yeah, all right, I'll come. Uh, We need to get some of our own conviction maybe, right? Commitment to the body. Your kids need to see that. Do you really believe in it? Is this the kingdom of God or isn't it? Are we really committed to being a kingdom family, part of the body? Uh, Being engaged. How can you possibly tell your kids to serve God if you're not serving God? How can you possibly tell them to do their best spiritually if you're not doing your best spiritually? Um, No matter what the challenges are, and I know some of us have great challenges in our lives, uh, we can always do our best, right? You maybe can't do my best or Henry's best or Steve's best or somebody else's best, but you can do your best, and that's all you need to do. Okay, we better move a little faster.
1: Um, when it, just some real practicals that were up on the slide: having regular meal times together and talking, and, and building some traditions in your family. We have birthday dinners where we, the person whose birthday it is gets to pick where to go out to dinner, and then everybody in the family shares something encouraging about that person. So at least once a year, they hear something encouraging about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> once, a once a year, you know. <laughs> we don't want their heads to get big. So. So, um, you know, we have our favorite restaurants. It's funny because when the kids, you know, they they just know this is like our favorite restaurant that we go to. It's a special restaurant or whatever, and, and it's, it's just fun having those things. Um, dinner and game nights, Friday night, homemade pizza night, um, Dave and Connie, good friends of ours, pizza nights, <laughs> um, having people over for dinner, even during the weeknights, you know, just. We've had so much fun just sitting around the dinner table and just laughing and joking and, you know, all all kinds of different things. Um, and then and weekly devotionals. And this just has to do with really making a concerted effort of bringing God's word into your life at home. They do get kids' kingdom. They do, you know, when your kids get old enough to be in the junior high ministry and the, and the preteen ministry, you know, they get taught there. But really making an effort to bring God's word into your home life and and um i would say that you take some time to really think about how to meet your kids needs in this area you know because you know certainly you can schedule a time every week we sit down we sing we pray we read the bible but that may not be what your need is as a family and um that, that's a great thing, by the way. It just may not meet the needs. So some ideas, you know, just a quick scripture in the morning before they leave to go to school. You know, just a quick one. Prayers at the beach, you know. Pulling off when you after you pick them up from school or after work from daycare. Pulling down to the beach into the parking spot. You know, look at, watching the sunset and praying for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, I've done that with my kids. Read read spiritual books that address a particular need one of their needs. There's a lot of great books out there and sometimes we can sit down and read a book with them. Um, uh, Helps on the internet, CDs, go to the bookstore and have them walk through the bookstore and pick something that they're interested in learning about and then do your family devotional. Memorize a scripture together that will help them during their day. And um, Andy did a great thing where from his quiet times, once your kids all have internet or uh, email addresses, he would have his quiet time, and then he'd just send out every day a little paragraph to all of us in the family, and he'd say, this is what, you know, my thought for the day. And it was just so encouraging because Allie was up in Seattle, and Kyle was off being a senior in high school, and Nico was Nico, and it was just nice because, um, you know, we, we all got that connection from Dad. So.
0: Amen. All right, the last thing we want to say under this uh, under this idea, and before we turn it over to the Kramers, is uh, – You know, the Bible describes Christians as these things, and your homework assignment can be defined where it says this, but you're a light on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. You are clay vessels holding heavenly treasure. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are ministers of reconciliation. You are a royal priesthood. You are the called out of God. You're God's building. You're uh, Jesus' body and his bride. And you're created in Christ to do good works. Clearly, God means for us to be his arms and legs in this world. He means our families to be influential among the families that we're a part of. Let me give you a few practicals on this, and we'll wrap it up. What can your family do? How can your family be influential? If you're a light, you know, it says be a light. Don't put it under a, a cover, right, under a bowl. You've got to be seen you got to be out there. Uh, find ways to create opportunities to meet people, to be around other people, outsiders, non-believers, with your family. The Shumps were great at this with their kids in sports. Other families are, but Mark comes to mind because they were always having dinner with somebody uh, from somebody's soccer team. Um, dedicated hospitality times, dedicated times where you just go out reaching out. We used to go door knocking, believe it or not, with our kids, and they loved it, and they still remember it. How great it was. So be seen. Number two, reflect God's light. There's a funny SNL uh, skit about this crazy lady that tries to one-up everybody. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> Marco showed her to me, I think. Oh, how annoying it is to be one up, right? And we can kind of one-up people religiously sometimes. Like, oh, well, my church is better than that, actually. So why don't you, know, why don't you come with me? Now, reflect God's light, okay? Let's not boast about our own. Let's just reflect God's light. There's plenty there. They'll get the message. Uh, and then finally, leave an impression. And a trail to follow. Well, that means getting a phone number, figuring out where they live, figuring out when you're going to see them again, leave an impression, and a trail. All right, we're done. Our time is up. Henry and Lon are going to come up and give us the last point. Amen.
2: Go ahead and uh, be opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 41 in just a moment. I, first of all, just wanted to share what a joy it is to be with everyone here. Last night was rocking, just seeing the exuberance of the young children and just how many families are going to have such a profound chance to have difference in their life because of what God is doing here in the South Bay. And with that, we owe an incredible debt of gratitude to the Marichis and the Wingis as they partner together to lead us. And I pray that you will pray for them daily, for their strength, for their vigor, for their courage, for their tenacity, for their stamina, for their faith. Please be bl- praying for their partnership as they lead us in Christ. Amen? Amen? What Willan and I are going to be talking about is spiritual growth. We had no, then we had show, let's just grow. Our best way that I found to grow in our family and what we are incredibly to, indebted to others for in our family is spiritual growth through Christian partnerships. Spiritual growth through Christian partnerships. You know, as far as where are the Kramers in the start of 2011, we're just briefly going to show where we are, and then Lana's going to come on in and say, how the heck did we get there? (laughs) Because we didn't just start that way. And so I think it's good to know that as we start 2011, that there's five members in our nuclear family. All of us are Christians. We have three daughters. Lana and I will celebrate this, uh, this spring, 25 years in the kingdom. This June, 30 years as a married couple. Our two oldest daughters are married to Christians. They've been Christians 11 and 10 years themselves. Our youngest daughter is dating a Christian, and she's been a Christian over six years. They have benefited profoundly. From a myriad, multiple, strong, loving, kind, engaging, determined Christian relationships. They have been blessed beyond, yes, there's always been a lot of mercy involved, thanks especially for me. Um, incredible blessings through partnership through other Christians. Now as we're looking here at this passage in Luke 2, it says every year. Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives And friends, you know Luke wasn't one of the original disciples He came later and I'm sure when he heard this this blew his mind. There's a lot of things you can lose in life But losing the son of God. I mean that's that's penultimate And I think the other writers maybe were you know afraid to write about this thinking like Joseph and Mary look bad I think it makes them look good And here's why it makes them look good how in the world by twelve years of life, could you lose your kid for twenty four days twenty four hours, going the seventy two miles between the Galilee region and Jerusalem? How could that happen unless you had profound trust in your friends? And they were totally involved with Jesus' life. There's no way. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't happen. Now, you may have never looked at that passage that way before, but I do think it's something that's worthwhile studying on out. We all know there was a great reunion, and as we go forward here, Lana's going to share about the incredible ways that others really worked in our family to provide us with a hope for growth. Lana? Um,
3: Good evening. You know, when I was baptized, uh, our oldest daughter, Lauren, was eight months old, and I was a very lenient, I mean, at eight months, but I was, my philosophy was, you know... um, Kind of post hippie, very lenient. And I had two more children right after, two good daughters right after that. And I learned that I needed to allow uh, others to approach me and to help me be the kind of parent I wanted to be for God. Um, I think that there are a couple things that really stuck out to me. And, um, you know, one was that I needed to really let go of the protective mama bear pride and get it out of the way. Because uh, it was, uh, you know, it was there. <laughs> uh, also, uh, the, in, as I reviewed, you know, what God has done in our family over the years and the, um, the importance of the relationships with Christians, with disciples in the church, um, I realized that a lot of the good attitudes, the convictions, even the behavior were reinforced or even taught in some cases by other disciples to our children. And um, finally, my very closest friends were always in the church. And those three things were, are really, the, were really the foundation, I think, for a lot of these relationships, those, those, those three convictions. Um, it was funny today, as I was writing, I thought, just off, honestly, off the top of my head, there were 14 important lessons uh, that the kids received uh, during those years, and there were many more. But there were just 14 things that popped into my head. And I thought of the different people and what that, what that meant, what it signifies. And, um, and in that, by the way, and I hope this is helpful, but, you know, we were in five different churches and three of those churches were mission teams. So only, uh, uh, on three of those ch- churches, there was only one family at each time that had children. So we really had to, you know, get help from anybody we could, right? Professional help. Professional help, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and it came in different ways from different sources, from different people, different types of people. And, you know, I was thinking about how, um, and our kids know all these stories, I mean, most of them, and they laugh with us. So we're not saying anything they wouldn't want, that they would feel badly about, I think. But I'm pretty sure about that. (laughs) I'm positive. I'm positive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, the stomping around my youngest was really, was a door slammer, and she's the one with the temper, and we had Babysitters that were disciples. They were so kind. But, I mean, they talked to me about that. And, um, you know, I'm just forever indebted to Amy and Kathleen. And they're, they are in touch with those women to this day. They love, they really were in there with our kids. Um, I remember in Jerusalem, Bob Shaheen teaching them better table manners. You know, that was important to me, but, I mean, Bob just drove it home. Um, eye contact, uh, Willie Flores, you know, and uh, hugging people. Our second daughter was so... Uh, squirrely and, um, uh, what is the word? Ornery. She was very ornery. And she wouldn't hug people. She didn't feel like it. And, you know, that was another one. And, um, bragging about possessions. Mary Maynes called me about one of the girls talking about how much something costs. And it was just like, you know, um, harsh words. Elaine had talked to about one of the girls, you know, and her, her harshness and her tone. And, um, anyway, on and on. Spoiling Carol Ann. One of them has a hearing. You know, hearing is hearing impaired, and um, some real close friends of ours. When we just had the one family in the car saying, You know, get really, really helping Henry. And I see that we were spoiling her and making excuses and appropriate clothing, Kevin and Mary. I was thinking of another situation about seven years ago, and our daughter uh, had a very serious talk with um, there was a brother and a sister about our age that helped and uh her and to see how she was very kind of controlling in her behavior with guys. Um, just, I think it was fear, but it was very, she was very controlling and very in charge. And, of course, she was having terrible luck. And she was totally in love with this one guy. She ended up marrying him, you know, after she took the advice to heart. But, I mean, so many things, not to mention, <laughs> not to mention all the millions of times the obedience issue came up, whether it was, you know, Whether one child was, our oldest was very strong-willed and was very willful. The second one was, as I said, was very ornery and kind of stubborn. Um, The third one was actually pretty compliant, but she had a really hot temper. Uh, So, you know, we allowed these relationships. And the sitters, I think, for example, they were single, right? And in my Mama Bear protective pride, I think, oh, you don't know. You know, you're not a parent. And the most convicted I ever was was, uh, you know, was really a single person who was so kind and so sweet and so humble. And I thought, she's giving her time. I don't even think we paid her. We gave her something. And it was just like, how, you know, that was it. That was, that really, she really got to me. So I think, let anybody, you know, let anybody, people in the church have God's spirit. Secondly, the other thing about friendships is really making the time and allowing the time, allowing People to approach you. Yeah, we approach people when we think we have a problem with our children. But what about allowing them to approach you? How willing are you? Um, that, I had to really fight for that. Uh, making more time for friendships. You know, when things came up, like when Elaine and I spent, would spend a lot of time, even just right away when we were in Detroit together many years ago, it was so easy and natural when there was hard times with our kids in the preteen and teen years to reconnect, because we had so many memories together, and we had some special, you know, such special times. I think in Chicago, the early years with the sisters, you know, we we babysat each other's kids a lot. There was a lot of overlap, and we were very fruitful because of that. People loved that. They saw that kind of sacrifice and love. Um, finally, as they were growing, too, I think, you know, um, uh, the whole issue of sacrifice, I think, particularly from the mother's point of view, the driving and how wonderful it is to have that time in the car with them. But we we had to drive – well, let me say this. Because the team ministry was just in its infancy, in like in 01, 02, 03, 04, when our children were in high school during those very worldly, tempting years, I had to drive them to different places where there were strong friendships that they had forged through either some of the youth camps or through – and it was a sacrifice, and it, it was tiring, but it was totally worth it. And later on, those were the girl you know, it was those one or two or three girls. Um, it was really less, like one or two. Um, they were on the phone. There were the sleepovers. There were the conversations between the parents. It was so helpful because of those bonds that God had allowed. I think one very, 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 very special thing that we had to make time for, allow time for, was the um, sunday evening meals that we started in in 2002 and went on for five or six years and we would get together and have um, we would get together and have sunday night meals together and we would trade homes we did it several times a month and it was very simple sometimes it was takeout sometimes it was spaghetti sometimes it was something nicer but we basically had Uh, A devotional, and we had, it was just so special. We kind of had to force them sometimes when, you know. But it it was so special, and it was so, it was just the thing that kind of was the glue that um, we could refer back to. Because it was a spiritual time, and but it was also a fun time. Um, You know, the kids might get a call from Uncle Calvin during the week that he was praying for them. And uh, they remember that. And they remember it now, and they talk to me about that. And so I just, you know, I just want to say, without, uh, without each other, and without the body of Christ, um, without the joyful, we had so many joyful memories. We were able to fight the good fight of faith and see our kids, our precious daughters, who I really do love. You know, they do have some great qualities too. (laughs) Um, They They do. (laughs) <laughs> um, but our, our precious children uh, love and follow God because of some of these things. These are, these are the main ones, and thank you for letting me share.
2: I want to leave you with two directives on the subject of spiritual growth through Christian partnerships. I started with showing where is the Kramer family in 2011. Let me tell you where we would have been. If we hadn't put these two directives in place, we'd be cannon fodder. We'd be messed up. We'd have no hope. We'd be jacked. For sure. You think you're going against some minor adversary? You're going against the prince of the world. His minions right now scheming against your family. He hates you. He hates your kids. Wake up. It wasn't always easy for us. We're messed up people. We're as different as night and day. It's a miracle. There is. There is chemistry. Excuse me. There is no substitute. There is no substitute. All of us have some great strengths. And if we isolate ourselves, they will be overcome by profound weaknesses. Right. Right. That's right. Two directives. Number one, take personal initiative. Take personal initiative. You know, I can guarantee you that your church leadership will do anything we can We'll set up small groups to the best of our abilities. We'll provide youth ministry oversight. We'll use monies effectively to have youth leadership. There will be Kingdom Kids. This will be done in a tremendous way with people full of heart and passion for your children. We will have workshops like this. But all those things, you know what I call them? I call them adjuncts. They're helpful, but in and of themselves, they are not sufficient. They will not get your family to heaven. They're just assistive devices. What I really want to implore you and encourage you and direct you in is you taking personal responsibility. Nothing, none of the programs I mentioned can compare to the results provided by God to devoted Christian parents when they take personal initiative. If there's only one thing you remember of what I've said. It's this. God is eager and able to do amazing things for your family if you will take personal initiative based on faith to develop spiritual partnerships for your family. Things were not always set up for the Kramer family. We were in a church 8,000 miles away. There were 17 of us. There was one other family with kids. It wasn't always programmed like, oh, yeah, they just popped out. Forget about it. We took some personal initiative to help us out. Because we had no chance without you guys in our lives. Zero. None. Forget about it. Over. Finally, the second point. The first is, what was the first point I made? I want you to... That that brings a tear to my eye. The second is make your family motto, motto this. United in Christian partnerships, we stand. Isolated, we fall. United in Christian partnerships, we stand. Isolated, we fall. Lauren, on returning from Jerusalem, picture you got a, a 12-year-old kid. Got for one year to be the big shot at a little school. Now she's coming in. She's in a new region in, in, in you know, Gardena. We're part of the Metro Life. She didn't know anybody. New school. We're living in Gardena. She's going to be going to this prep school up in Palos Verdes. The families were a little bit different than what she was used to. Think what you might feel like. Remember seventh grade? You know what happened? Many, 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 many Christians got in there. You can do it, Lauren. You can be good at sports. She had a Christian coach in tennis. She had other Christian leaders show her the things about her that were praiseworthy and excellent. And she could take confidence in God. And so she didn't shrink back. She didn't go gently into that good night. She rose up because others were with her. Carol Ann, Carol Ann, the apple doesn't fall far, fall, far from the tree, folks. Dad's got an edge. Carol Ann can have an edge. God's worked on my edge a bit. Come more gentle. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But Carol Ann, I'm telling you, just so many people. One woman from a distance shared with me, you know, because Carol and I were at risk for not really connecting, said, Henry, here's the deal, bud. You will not connect with her at a heart level unless her world becomes more interesting than yours. And that turned things around. Another family shared with us, when you ever get tired sometimes butting heads with your kids, sometimes you just get worn out. Said, never. Never. Never, 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 never give up fighting for your children. And Carol Ann, you know, we're thick as thieves now, Carol Ann and I. No one could have been more surprised than one of these Sunday multifamily Devos when Carol Ann in her last Devo before heading off for college shared she wanted to convert two women in her freshman dorm. I about fell off my chair. That year, four were converted in her freshman dorm. Then the next year, she started a household, her and four new Christians. Five years later, three of these four women are still faithful. My stink pot, Carol Ann. Why? Because other people got in there with her. Finally, Diana. Diana can be attitudinal. (laughs) And she could, she could have lost a dear Christian friend during a trying time. However, that dear Christian, that friend of hers, she had Christian parents. And the Christian parents, if sometimes someone offends your kid or whatever, and whose side do you usually take? You lose your mind. No, not with Christian parents. They all recognize that there's always two sides to a story, and there's going to be reconciliation. If everyone will just behave like a Christian. Because of that, this young woman is still Diana's best friend today. Her parents are still Christians, some of our best friends. In conclusion, so many Good things come from Christian partnership. Just to name a few, strength, perspective, creativity, balance, and faith. I pray and I hope this has been helpful to you as you grow your family spiritually through Christian partnerships. Amen.
0: Parents, we're trying to give you, parents, we're just trying to give you, put the ball in your court. It is all yours to make your family great. In Christ, let me read you a quick little poem. It's corny, but bear with me. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel may be confusing, but example is always clear. It's just a quaint little poem to remember that our example and doing it is what it's all about. Amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. This was the time we've scheduled for a break. Did you enjoy it? Okay. good. We're going to start singing again as we move on to our next lesson. And if you need to uh, take a comfort situation, take that taking care of a comfort situation, please go ahead and do that while we're singing. Amen? Amen. Amen.